Hey everyone, this is Danny Heifetz. Quick programming note, for the rest of the season, instead of our weekly preview show on Fridays, we're going to be doing the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Thursdays here on this feed. You don't have to go anywhere else to get it. Keep coming to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show feed. And on Thursdays, we're going to have more Ringer NFL Draft Shows for you. That's going to be in lieu of our Friday weekly recap. Also, with the holidays coming up and like Christmas is on Sunday and New Year's Eve is on Sunday, we're going to pause the, the Sunday shows for the rest of the regular season. And we're going to give you our weekly recaps as part of the Monday show on waivers on Mondays. So keep that coming. So Monday is going to be waivers. We're still going to be doing Power Hour on Wednesdays and the NFL Draft Show on Thursdays. Thank you. Enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My Ooh. name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig yeah. Kolbeck. Solak, you're back, baby. How does it feel? <laughs> it feels great. I was tweeting last night. I was like, maybe I'll hop on a draft show. And the people were like, yeah, go fix the fantasy feed. I said, don't worry. Papa's home. Whoa. Right. Go fix the fantasy <laughs> feed? Papa. Papa. Shots fired. I thought of that one last night. I was like, oh, I should do like, uh, I fixed the fantasy feed thing. That'll be funny. And then I did it today. <laughs> You're like the Matt Patricia coming to fix this offense. All right, we're going to be coming to you here on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show feed every Thursday between now and the NFL Draft on April 27th. And today, we're going to look at all the quarterbacks that could go number one overall, or at least, I don't know, the quarterbacks that could go the first quarterback off the board. Right now, it seems like it might be a two-horse race between Alabama's Bryce Young, Ohio State's C.J. Stroud. I want to start with Bryce Young for Alabama. Mm. I just like him more, if I'm being honest. DK, so like you guys have been watching these guys for months. I want to start with DK, though, because... You know, age before beauty. Jeez. Solak came knives out. I'm just following. So I don't know. All right, well. <laughs> he set the tone. <laughs> DK, how would you explain Bryce Young in a nutshell? So my elevator pitch on him, he's a clever playmaker. Uncanny feel for all the pieces on the board. Is, is Bryce Young a wizard? <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> Can I just say I'm already so happy to be back? I love the way people talk about draft prospects. It's so fun. He, he's just an incredible, incredible playmaker who has a natural feel for the position, but he's tiny. He's an outlier size in size. And so that's the massive question mark. Can we get into his size? How small is he? He's listed at six foot 194, which I think is really generous. He's probably like 5'11", 185 or something like that. He's small. So like, how much do you weigh? At 160. <laughs> He was very reticent to say. <laughs> no, not reticent. It's just the last time I weighed myself was was a few months ago. And it's been football season, which means I've been sitting at home and Lots it's been cheese. cold and I've been eating a lot of cheese. So 160 <laughs> 
In theory. Wait, so <laughs> I want to talk about his size. So he's, he's, so he's listed at six foot 190. But in reality, how, how much smaller is he than every quarterback in the NFL? Is there any quarterback who has ever been smaller than Bryce Young in terms of height and weight? I would go so far as to say probably not. Uh, so when Zach Wilson was drafted, Wilson was one of the lowest BMI quarterbacks, body mass index, weight adjusted for height that we'd seen drafted in the last several years. Wilson had the lowest BMI of any quarterback selected in the first round since Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon was 6'1", a buck 94. Now, there's a chance that Bryce Young's BMI ends up okay-ish because he's going to put on weight now that the Alabama season is over, and he's going to try to come into the combine a little bit heavier than he played at. Kyler Murray did this a few years ago, right? Kyler, I wanted to say he tipped the scales of the combine somewhere around like 210, if memory serves. Uh, he wasn't playing at that weight. And actually, in the NFL, he's played at a heavier weight than he did at Oklahoma because the hits in the NFL are a little bit harder, and it's nice to have more density, more thickness, both as a runner and as a guy in the pocket who might get hit. However, uh, in terms of what he played at Alabama, Bryce Young played below 190. I'm quite confident in that. So we're talking about 10 pounds lighter than one of the lightest quarterbacks we've ever seen go in the first round. So if you go and you look at like Mock Draftable's data, for example, Mock Draftable being a, a, uh, a site that, that accumulates combine data over the course of the last like 20 or so years of football run by Marcus Armstrong, it's not like a perfect... Uh, encapsulation. Everybody. They, it, yeah, it only goes back to 1999. And of course, it's only people who are invited to the combine and get measured there. But your lightest quarterbacks are Joe Hamilton, 192 out of Georgia Tech in 2000. Anthony Wright, South Carolina, 99, 195. And then Seneca Wallace out of Iowa State, who was six foot one, 196. This is the third smallest quarterback to be at the combine in the last 20 or so years. Bryce Young is remarkably smaller than Seneca Wallace. And this right. is the third smallest quarterback that you, you can think of. So it's it's a like I don't want to say it emphatically is because there's probably some guy I don't know, but yeah, this is pretty much the smallest like top five, top ten selected quarterback we're ever going to see if he goes in that range. So DK, is this just a matter of get Bryce Young a Jewish grandmother who's like eat, eat your skin and bones, <laughs> just like pinching him? Yeah, I mean, and and the important <laughs> aspect of all of that is those other guys that that uh, that Ben mentioned are all like third and lower rounders in terms of like where they're drafted. Pat White in 2009, Kellen Moore in 2012. Like these are the recent names and they were all middle round picks. I think there is a little bit of, I don't know what the term is, like selection bias or whatever, just because I think the NFL is more open to the idea that you can be small and play quarterback than they were in the past. Whereas these guys would have just been eliminated from the, even the idea that they could be NFL quarterbacks probably like 10 years back. And so maybe there's just like, it's just like there's not a big enough sample. But at the end of the day, to round it all out, like this guy is historically small for quarterback, for especially for a quarterback that's expected to go early in the first round. Like this, is, it's unheard of. Okay, but if Bryce Young were six foot five, Solak, what would you say about <laughs> taking him first overall? If he was six foot five and still one eighty five, I'd be very no, concerned. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not like medieval gotta, stretching. You, you, know, you, you can't just drag the top square of the picture up. You have to get one of the corners and drag <laughs> yeah. it up and out. That's it's the important weird looking. Yeah, you gotta make sure you size it correctly. Can't throw off the aspect ratio. I have no doubt that if Bryce Young had zero size concerns, he'd be the first quarterback selected in 2023. He'd be the top player on everybody's board. Uh in terms of arm talent, in terms of accuracy, Danny brought up the creativity. Uh, Bryce Young is a wonderful playmaker. Awesome outside of structure. So cool, so confident, so poised. Take a hit, avoid a hit, find a guy downfield, find a guy short, do it with his legs. Like the last Bama quarterbacks we've seen have been Mac Jones and Tua Tungabailoa. Bryce Young is not cut from that cloth. He does so much more out of structure than either of those quarterbacks did. 
at the college level when they were with the Crimson Tide. Even Jalen Hurts, when he was in the Alabama offense, not as clean of a, of a, a descriptor of what Bryce Young is out of structure because Hurts was really in a QB run first offense when he was there at Alabama. Uh, Young is in a pass first spread out offense and then he'll, he'll create with his legs. Uh, that creativity, though, you know, can your, uh, you know, your Jewish grandmother make sure you eat joke is in large part because Bryce Young is very twitchy. Twitchiness is a result of of him being lithe. He's thin. He doesn't have a lot of wasted weight on him. And so when he moves, he does move quick. And if you were to like try to bulk him up to be Kyler Murray size, he would lose some of that, right? Murray is like really explosive. Bryce isn't explosive so much as he's twitchy. And, and you'd lose that if you added weight. So it's a tricky conversation. Uh, the NFL is widening. Like Danny said, there's selection bias. Previously, a guy of Bryce Young's size would never be playing quarterback at the college level. They would have already moved him to slot receiver. Like, we're not doing this, right? So the NFL and college football are widening their parameters for what a quarterback looks like, right? They are more accepting of of certainly shorter players, and as you get shorter players, you're going to get lighter players. This, for right now, for 2023, it might still be a bridge too far, where I think there's going to be teams top five, top ten, who take one look at Bryce Young's measurables and say, we don't draft players who come in this below size. And then they don't consider taking him relative to the other guys we're going to talk about. So there's two questions here. There's one, will he physically hold up to the punishment of like NFL hits and stuff, meat on his bones, et cetera, et cetera. There's also just the height question, which Russell Wilson, Kyler, you know, all these Baker went first of all. And we're kind of seeing a strange thing happen with height in the NFL where it's like, it seems like, Shorter quarterbacks, the concern was, well, they can't see over their offensive line. And that is actually kind of true. And what we've seen is it's fine if you have other superpowers that kind of let you to handle that. Drew Brees did it because he could manage the pocket. And basically, young Russell Wilson did it the same way that Kyler Murray was doing it, I mean, until this week, which was insane athleticism, creation out of the pocket, like just kind of making people miss with insane scrambling. And I'm wondering, is Bryce Young basically the same deal? Like he has almost this Patrick Mahomes-esque magic of like, he just does crazy stuff at the line of scrimmage and wandering around the pocket. But like, does the magic he has in the pocket make up for the fact that he might be too short to run a regular dropback offense? Is that like an unfair criticism, DK? I think the reason he is going to still go high in the draft and the reason he might be the first overall pick is because, yes, he has the ability to mitigate his height and his size with what I think is really rare and unteachable like field vision i actually kind of compare him to like a jason kid type guy just he just knows where everybody is at all times that's why he can spin around three times you know avoid two pass rushers step up and still know where the open guy is going to be and he does it repeatedly does it really consistently it's like insane um the other thing that i'll add is like there is a chance he has this ability to be and i'm not going to compare him to directly to like a hall of famer and Drew Brees, but like from what I've seen, he actually can see over the middle of the field pretty well. He's like not afraid to pass over the middle. You know, he's got that vision. Like I said, he has the ability to synthesize like coverages and where his routes are going to be all that together. He's he seems pretty comfortable passing over the middle of the field when he gets into the NFL. We'll see. But obviously with like Russell Wilson, that's been a big problem throughout his career. It's like he just doesn't see over the middle of the field very well. Um, from what I've seen from Bryce Young, he's pretty good about like knowing where he needs to go with the football and seeing you know, finding passing lanes and all that stuff. And that's why he's so good out of structure. And that's why he's so good at like finding guys in the scramble drills because he has that vision. Does him being an Alabama quarterback help him or hurt him? Is he quote pro ready or is he a college quarterback? Mm-hmm. Awesome question. Uh, one, <laughs> the Alabama supporting cast this year is not what the Alabama supporting cast has been of years yeah. past. Don't get me wrong. 
good supporting cast relative to like all of college football. But overall, the line isn't the quality that we're used to seeing. And certainly the wide receivers, not the quality. There's no, no Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. Then that run, you know what I'm saying? Like this, 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 not this. Yeah. Not the same caliber of first round players coming out. Uh, and so the, the advantage of being a Bama quarterback in that regard, less so. And then the scheme aspect of it. Well, this is what uh, Nick Saban's been doing over the last few years, right? So he's been kind of borrowing NFL castoffs and being the little Nick Saban rehabilitation center where like your, your NFL <laughs> yeah. offensive coordinator flames out. He spends a, t- a year with, with Nick in Alabama and then all of a sudden he's good again. The offensive coordinator is Bill O'Brien. They run NFL concepts. They absolutely do. More so than like, you know, we're talking about CJ Stroud, Ohio State in a second. Stroud runs a, a lesser menu of concepts and a simpler menu of concepts relative to what uh, Bryce Young has to run. They run like NFL protection stuff. Their offensive line coach is Doug Marone. They suck at it, but they try to do it. Right. And so there's a. I was uh, going to say NFL concepts. Is it the concepts the same way the Cardinals concept is Kyler do something? Because just watching Alabama this season, just mm-hmm. casually watching college football games. It felt like the Alabama offense was uh, Bryce. I hope you just figure out something when yeah. this play doesn't work. So, like, I'll, I'll say like like a high low stretch over the middle of the field. There's offenses in like the SEC that just don't do that. Like the Josh Whitebull offense in Tennessee, Head and Hooker is a guy who might come out. Like you know he's, he's going to come out. He's like 25 years old, but like as a quarterback <laughs> who might get drafted, and might get some hype. That's like the old Baylor RG three offense, right? They just like they don't. It's all vertical. It's all slot choice. It's all this vertical stretch. Like Bryce Young would get three receivers in the general middle of the field, one deep, two shallow, and he would read mm-hmm. out a linebacker and make him wrong. It's like traditional West Coast spacing, right? There's that That's not unique to the Alabama offense. It's not like just Alabama does that, but Bryce Young did that more than like CJ Stroud did in, in the way that his offense works more than like Hendon Hooker and Anthony Richardson and some of these other cats. So there's a better case for Alabama pro projection in terms of the scheme and the system and the way the weapons helped him for Bryce Young than there was previously for Mac Jones and for Tua Tungavailoa, who even though they were playing in NFL-y sort of systems, were doing so with huge talent advantages and accordingly just ran like RPOs and play action until the cows came home. Bryce Young had to carry more of the load for sure. And he did win a Heisman last year doing it and has like 75 touchdowns, like 12 picks in his career. He's won like every every award possible. Yeah. It's it's an oversimplification to say that the whole conversation on Bryce Young will come down to, is he tall enough for us? Yes, first overall. Is he not? No, we're not drafting him. That's like kind of how I think it's going to be, but it is an oversimplification. I will say that I'm a little bit more bearish than Danny is in terms of the creativity and in terms of the field vision. I, I, it's definitely one of his strengths. Hype, uh, as you said, Mahomesian. I don't think it's Mahomesian, right? I think it's like, you know, solid. It's very good. I don't think it's at that elite tier. One of the things that you notice with Bryce Young is when he drops back, he just backpedals, right? He just, he just straight heels backwards. He doesn't turn his hips at all. He has a weird backpedal it, it, his feet are very close together when he's like in the pocket and the reason is because the further your feet come apart the lower your head goes yeah he needs to keep oh. his feet close together so he can see he's he's like on his tiptoes you know almost <laughs> it's it's a well, it's a strange he, yeah. he's like a freshman going to prom with a girl who's way taller than him he's like got the inserts <laughs> in his shoes he is like a rod in the pocket he is straight up like he's like filling his chest out just trying to occupy as much space as he can the player right you brought up russ the player reminds me the most of is lamar who like lamar doesn't need to do this because he's super short it's just like whenever you watch lamar in the pocket he's just kind of like i'm super athletic like i'm just gonna kind of walk back here and just gonna like vibe out where the the field is like bryce young has never takes like a timing drop back five step drop back foot hits turn and throw He's just like, no, like I know generally when the route's going to break, I'm going to feel it. My release is lightning quick. So the ball's going to get there on time. Don't worry about it. But he just has this like 
you know, posture to him where he's just trying to make sure that he can see everything he needs to see. And that is indicative of the limits that are going to be on this player in terms of what he can see at the NFL level, the areas of the field that he can access. I just think that like, it's it's asking a lot for him to be the level of creator in the NFL that he was at Alabama because the margins just become so much thinner. He's so weird. You Sometimes you almost can't even tell if he's left or right-handed. Like he like backs up and you don't know which way he's going to turn. Because he doesn't turn his shoulders. His shoulders are parallel to the line of scrimmage. Nobody cares because he's awesome. But like, this is like heresy. You can't do this. Hold up, hold up. Wait, DK's like, he has incredible field vision. You're telling me he just looks at the whole field all at once instead of just cutting off half? half his back and that, and that's side. why, like, he has, a, he has a great knack. Like Danny said, he's cunning. He's creative. He's in, ingenious. Whatever the frick Danny said just about his forward. wizardry. Right, exactly. Right. But part of that is like, you you wouldn't trust another quarterback to do this because they would get overwhelmed, right? Like Matt, Mac is a perfect counterexample. Mac was so good in the Bama offense because his feet and his timing and his rhythm and his drills were incredible, right? It's just like three-step drop, five-step drop, balls out. It's like always like, boom, my feet are timed for the concept. Da, 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 da. He had it robotic. He had it set. He knew the formula. Bryce is just like, I know when it's going to break. I'll be ready to throw. Don't worry about it. We're good. And then he always is. Right? And that's where Danny talks about that feel, right? Where it's just like, Bryce doesn't need to perfectly marry his feet and his drop and his depth to the concept. He can just... Three quarters release, balls out right on time between a window. And that that is feel, and it, it's impressive to watch. I think one of the worries, though, that you have when you watch him is because of that, because that's the way he plays and the way he dropped back. It's almost like watching old football. If you ever look at like really, really old football, the quarterbacks literally just back up straight from like the line. They don't do like the like the grapevine style, like back, you know, backpedal or whatever. It's just like straight back, backpedal. It's it's kind of weird to watch, but then his feet are so close together when he's like scanning around the field that when he tries to throw, it doesn't feel like he gets as much oomph into the football. You know what I mean? Like he has a quick release, but I do worry sometimes the velocity isn't there because he's throwing from such a like a, a thin base. He's got a lot of juice in his arm. Like he makes throws where he's getting hit and like he's falling away from contact. I'm like, how did that ball go that far? Like he's got a ton of juice in his arm. He can whip that thing. It's just he doesn't include his lower half the way that he should in a lot of throws. And if he did, he could probably throw with even greater velocity, which is wildly impressive for a player of his size. Like the 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 flexibility in his body, the elasticity is crazy. All right. So uh, switching gears here for a second. The other guy that seems to be really at the top of boards here, CJ Stroud for Ohio State. He's, you know, actually six foot three. I believe an actual six foot three and two fifteen. not wiry, not CD lamb style wiry DK. What is, how would you describe CJ Stroud in a nutshell? Silky smooth pocket quarterback, beautiful deep ball, but I think he struggles a little bit when like structure breaks down. He's asked to do second reaction stuff. So basically he's awesome in structure has work to do when things fall apart. That sounds like the opposite. It is kind of the opposite. Yeah. Hearing that, I'm like, I'm out. He's, he's good in structure at Ohio state. And the second things break down, he's screwed. I'm good. He's screwed is not, that's probably too strong. That's like where he is not as elite. But isn't the Ohio State offense like designed towards just like you drop back, there's the open guy, you hit him, that's it? Designed in the sense that they have all (laughs) five-star receivers. Yes, that's the design. (laughs) It's just like a freaking, just constant first-round receiver is just like through there every year. They got the young Marvin Harrison out there just doing work, man. It's unbelievable. So is he a better passer than Justin Fields? No. Arm strength? No. He's a quicker processor. I'm so out. He's not a better passer than, than Justin he's Fields. He's not a better passer than Fields, but CJ Stroud's not like a runner, right? Like he's not particularly fast. Yes. So he's not as good a passer as Justin Fields, and Justin Fields runs like a 4-3 and is one of the most gifted runners of all time. So <laughs> yeah. what, what do we so, like okay. about CJ Stroud? Ohio State quarterbacks. Here we go. Before Justin Fields, you had Dwayne Haskins, right? The first round pick of the Washington football team. And Dwayne was, was, was a big bodied pocket passer. He's accurate. Like Danny said, he threw down the field nicely. He had no mobility. 
no creativity at all. Then after Haskins, he had Justin Fields. And Fields, big guy in the pocket, could stand in there, read his drops. He had a beautiful deep ball. He was an accurate passer. Like, I know, like, Chicago, like, he had a very tough year one. He's much better in year two. Um, but Ohio State, he was extremely accurate. Threw an mm-hmm. unbelievably catchable ball to all three levels of the field. And then when Justin Fields would talk and run, I mean, he punished you, right? He's built like a linebacker. He runs like Cam. Unbelievable. So that's that. those are your polls. CJ Stroud is somewhere in the middle of that, right? <laughs> yeah. He's definitely more mobile than Haskins. He, he's more willing to run. He's more effective throwing on the run. He, he can actually do something when he tucks and runs. He's more creative. He can move around the pocket and make a, a pass rusher mix, miss and buy an extra half second. He's definitely better than that. He's also definitely not as athletic as Fields, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and does not bring anything in the read option game. Uh, isn't going to break into the second level, break a tackle and rip off a 20 plus yard run. So now the question becomes, if we're going to use this like this basic construction of Ohio State quarterbacks, just how much of a scrambler do you have to be? Just how much creativity do you have to be to really warrant like a top five, top 10 draft pick in the NFL? And that's where the rub's going to be for CJ well, Stroud. But what's his thing? Like when we just went over Bryce Young, I feel like I get it. It's like he's athletic. He makes a lot of cool plays. He can see the field. He's a little short, might limit the offense and he might get hurt because he's really small. What is CJ Stroud's thing? Like what is his knack? What does he do? He's more accurate than Young is in my opinion, which I don't know where people are going to fall on that. Like Bryce Young had a bit of a weird year because he had a shoulder injury and he wasn't as accurate after the shoulder injury. And so there's some debate there. I think Stroud's more accurate than Young. Stroud's got legit arm talent. He also really understands ball placement, which I always appreciate when a college quarterback does this because you can get away with it at college with not really caring about the details. But Stroud will try to throw his receivers away from hits, right? So he's got a guy running middle of the field. He'll try to throw him into the ground, right? Throw that ball at his waist or lower, take him down into the turf so the safety doesn't take his head off. When he's throwing like back shoulder, he'll try to put it on the outside, like, you know, against the sideline, pull him away from the safety that's coming in. He understands like placement. And when he, when he has like a clean pocket, he's throwing in rhythm and he's trying to make a throw. He doesn't just go like, Oh, Marvin Harrison's down there somewhere. He legitimately (laughs) and earnestly tries to throw the perfect ball. And if, if Stroud hits, like if I if, if you tell me you come five years in the future, Stroud's a good NFL quarterback, he will be so in the model of like a Trevor Lawrence who just sits in the pocket, has bodies flying around him, but steps up and with great arm talent, with great precision, makes tight window throw after tight window throw after tight window throw and just beats you on all Madden all the way down the field. However, that's a narrow path to walk. So when you ask like what's CJ Stroud's superpower, it's accuracy. And for that to be your superpower, you really, really, really got to be good at it if you're not bringing anything in terms of like the creativity and, and the scramble stuff that we see so many quarterbacks do now in the NFL. Can we give him, I know that sometimes this is an oversimplification, but can we give him a comp for a current NFL quarterback? Yeah, I, I haven't talked to Danny about it. I want to really like some curious to hear what Danny says. I have a couple comps. The one that is floating around on the interwebs right now that I think is, is funny because it's going to be very, it's going to, make people feel a certain way is Jared Goff. Oh boy. The the high end comp, <laughs> the high end comp for CJ Stroud is Jared Goff. The low end comp. Wait, the, high end is the high end is Goff. Listen, high end? listen to what I'm listen. Let me finish the high end comp, Jared Goff, the low end comp, Jared Goff. Jared Goff has been two different players in his career. If you remember, like when he's got guys around him, when he was early Rams, like under McVay or whatever, when they went to the Super Bowl, I could picture CJ Stroud being like distributor, Pushing the ball down the field, like there's fireworks. Like you, dude. Some of those games during the Rams era when they were really good under McVay at the beginning of, of his tenure there, like that was the one of the most fun offenses to watch. Of course, then things started to fall apart. They started to figure out that offense, and Goff was not able to do anything on his own, you know, and create out of structure and things so, like that. So, so he just needs 
Got it. So he needs a generationally talented play caller with the best running back in the league, and then he could be serviceable. This is uh, this is not my comp. This is a comp that's flying around on the interrupts. I think it's actually funny because it, it gives you like a visceral reaction whether you think Goff is good or not. My I would say my high end, like my personal comp when I watch him, I think of like, and this is again, this is like the best possible scenario. I think of like a late career post ankle fracture Dak Prescott. Like he to me, he's very smooth, like just mechanically. His his the way he throws is very like compact and smooth, and he can layer a ball. He can throw with velocity. He can feather it down over, drop it over in a bucket. To me, when I'm watching him, that's like the top tier. Of what he could be is like a, a late career, not running around Dak Prescott. Does that make sense? And then like early career, like or low end. I don't even know. Like Teddy Bridgewater potentially came to mind. I, I don't. I'm not. I haven't got a great comp for his low end yet. Maybe just Jared Goff. Goff is the guy that immediately comes to mind. I didn't know I was. I was going around the interwebs. Um, but Goff was the first overall pick. We got him in 2016, seven years ago, when, when, when Caesar Stroud eventually gets picked. It'll be seven years since Goff was the first overall pick. Since then, we've learned a lot about quarterback scrambling. We've learned a lot about how valuable it is to have a quarterback who's mobile, who can make second reaction throws, who can play outside of structure, such that Goff would never be the first overall pick if you were back in the 2023 class. But that which got Goff selected one is that which Stroud is going to sell on. He's going to say, I'm, I'm wicked smart, pre and post snap, I throw a nine ball like you've never seen. It's beautiful. I'm huge. I can take hits and I'm yeah. a leader. And so if you if you want to run a offense where you got a pocket passer and I just dice up and down the field, right? If you want to run traditional West Coast stuff, I, Bryce Young can't do it. Not big enough. Right? And Will Levis is not as accurate as I am. He's not as smart in the pocket as I am. Anthony Richardson's not ready. Tanner McKee is not ready. Handed Hooker's 90 years old. I'm the guy. And for as much as the four of us say, well, give us a, a creator, give us a, a guy outside of the pocket, give us somebody who, who can elevate. Uh, Kenny Pickett went first round. Malik Wilson went third. <laughs> you know, it's, the NFL's still on that train a little bit. But how's this top two compared to past years? So, like, obviously, it sounds like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud would go mile, miles above Kenny Pickett. They obviously would have well, been the best two guys. <laughs> Steelers fan, correct. But they're, they would have been the top two quarterbacks <laughs> in last year's class. And then let's say like 2019, you know, Kyler goes first. I assume they're better than Daniel Jones and like Dwayne Haskins was the first round that year. But like, you know, they're in the tier with Kyler. You know, a couple of years ago, you had, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Like, how do these guys compare to previous classes? Would they have been at the top of these groups? Mm, I still think Lawrence probably still be at the top of all of those. Ben, ben I, here's a good question for you. Do you think Fields or Stroud? For like NFL evaluators, not not necessarily draft Twitter. I said that I think Stroud is somewhere between Haskins and Field. Haskins went 15, Fields went 11. Now I think Stroud's going to go like fringe top 15. Obviously, so what we know of that class, right? Lawrence went one, and then Zach Wilson went two. Ugh. Trey Lance went three. Mitigating circumstances, but still, ugh. like Justin Fields probably should have gone before 11. Mm -hmm. I think that I'd be surprised to see Stroud go top five in a average class. I think this is a below average class and I think he has a shot. Wow. So it sounds like he's almost a top two option by default because he doesn't really do anything poorly, but he's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. Everybody else has quirks and irregularities in their game. Right. CJ Stroud's just kind of solid. The other thing we always have to discuss is what character of team is taking these players, right? We're talking about like, where could they go right now? We don't know exactly what the, the top 10 of the draft order looks like. If you are starting from zero, and I don't know, you're not going to be as enamored with what Stroud brings in terms of pro readiness and professionalism and the arm talent. He can maximize the players right away. If you were like last year's Steelers, 
and you're like, hey, like we were just in the playoffs. We had good receivers. We had a good defense. Like, let's just plug a quarterback in and go. Stroud looks mighty nice because I, mm-hmm. I would feel very confident putting Stroud in and saying, all right, he's going to be able to keep his head above water. He's not going to be overwhelmed. He can handle pressure. He can handle blitzes. He can distribute. He can make the correct reads, deep, short, whatever. And then he's going to get better over the course of the year to the point where if we go to the playoffs again, hopefully this guy's ready to actually start punishing some teams. So if Stroud isn't going to go first, are you saying Bryce Young you think is going to go first? I don't think either goes first. I think Bryce Young should go first. Really? You don't think either? Neither of these guys? This is the NFL we're talking about. We don't draft the best players early. We do it later (laughs) after we do some stupid nonsense first. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, should we do a little cliffhanger action? Yeah, we'll come back. Our next episode next week, people are going to have to stick around to find out who's going to be the number one pick in the draft, according to Ben. Yeah, wow. All right. Well, so yeah, we'll, we'll stick around. We're going to do a little two jargons and a lie, and then we're going to get to who Solak thinks is going to go actually first quarterback off the board in our next episode. Spicy. We're like, we have a trilogy going. This is the first movie in our three-part series, I guess. <laughs> Tune in to find out what happens next. Not enough quarterbacks for a three-part series in this class. Get, me, get back to 2018 <laughs> just, and we can do a three-part series. We're going to condense everything into just like a few episodes yet. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Time for America's favorite segment here. It's two (laughs) jargons and a lie. If you're just joining us, you didn't listen last year. So basically, there's a lot of draft jargon, quite honestly. People talk about the draft. Really weird. A lot of weird terms are thrown <laughs> silky around. Silky hips. You know? Oily. oily they, they're hips. oily. They're not silky. Sorry. I mean, they can be right. silky, potentially. Somewhere between weird and, and extremely uncomfortable, the way that the terms are just thrown around. So there's we invented a game. Sexual connotation at times. It's yeah, it odd. just feels like synonym soup. People are just saying shit that I don't know what I don't know what any of it means. Synonym so soup. We were so convinced that some of these were fake that we actually ended up playing a game called Two Jargons and a Lie, where uh, we had DK and Solak give us two real draft jargons and then one of them was fake that they made up and that Craig and I had to guess which one of them was real and which one was fake. 
So we're going to do that. And then actually people liked it so much. People started emailing us, emails at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. If you want to play along, people started emailing us two jargons in life from their own jobs, which was just magical. So we're going to read one of those too. But if you have your own two jargons in life, email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. But yeah, DK Solak, anyone want to go first here? First of the year? I'm ready. I've been waiting. Let's do it. I've been Googling. I've been reading, you know, Bill Belichick scouting reports from the 90s. <laughs> All right. I've been finding it. Hell yeah. Here we go. The okay. inaugural 2022, two dragons, one lie. Trash can full of dirt. <laughs> Washcloth tackler. Walking on stilts. Washcloth tackler. Well, walking on stilts sounds like what you wanted to say about Bryce Young. Trash can full of dirt. Washcloth tackler. <laughs> it's not taking walking the bait on hyphens. stilts. You got to repeat. Trash can Come on full of dirt. Is that just like the, the man is thick and heavy? That's vivid, vivid imagery. And I like that a lot. I draft a trash can full of dirt. Play him in the nose. No problem. Hell yeah. Frank Ragnow for the Lions. Just can't a trash can full of dirt. Yeah. You just thick and heavy. Washcloth tackler. <laughs> I just don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I, I mean, I, I, is it just like he's not good at tackling? He's just he's throwing a washcloth at him? R- please recall the rules. You may ask for definitions if you like. He's got definitions. Give me a definition of each of those. Yes. This is like the spelling bee. Can I get a definition, please? Yeah. Language, Language of, of origin, origin, please. West Coast offense. Language of <laughs> origin, West Coast offense. <laughs> Language of origin, the Shanahan tree. A washcloth tackler. What what it what the imagery is is like you ever like had a really wet soggy washcloth and thrown at something and it's kind of like sticks on it and then just mm-hmm. like damn falls off. That's washcloth tackler. <laughs> uh, trash Even can full of dirt effect. is precisely as as high fits intuited. A trash can full of dirt is thick and tough to move, baby. You nice. ever try to move a trash can full of dirt? It ain't easy. It's heavy. Uh, so that's that's what you yeah. got there. And then walking on stilts is actually not Bryce Young. Um, because it's meant it's meant to be more a, a image of a player who's super high cut. It's got long legs, right? Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't have a big body up top. Jalen Hyatt, the receiver out of Tennessee, for those who've like already done their draft homework, is walking on stilts, right? Yeah. Whenever you have a player who's got really long legs, but he's got a thin build, he doesn't have much mass on top. That's the sort of like frame that you're talking about. This is some of Ben's best work. I came, I I came, yeah, I come prepared to knock your episode. I think washcloth tackler's fake. I do too. I do too, right. but I like that one a lot. We should start using it. <laughs> we should start. All the fake ones are great. All of you wrong on the first two jargons, one line. Is, is, it, is it trash can full of dirt? It's walking on stilts. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yeah. What? I think it's funny trash because I'm full, pretty yeah. sure at one point in the time we did high cut before and it was like the same concept. It's where you just have yeah. really long. But high cut is, is real. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, start guessing that the that one sounds the most real. I'm just going to start guessing that one's the fake. The, uh, yeah. So washcloth tackler. Uh, and then the article that I'm doing this off of is trash can full of dirt, which I've never seen before. And what's hilarious is the description goes from the Latin lutum for dirt. <laughs> Lutum's not even trash can full of dirt. It's not. They're just made up. You can't just then add the Latin words <laughs> up part of the, the phrase. But what? they added it in there. Uh, right. Yeah, trash can full of dirt's a great one, though. That's getting incorporated into the lexicon for sure. Two jargons and a lie. This one's from Randy. Randy. Randy Johnson. Hello, Randy. Randy, okay. baby. Uh, Randy, basically, he um, he installs cable, and mm. this is two jargons and a lie for cable cables installation. Okay. okay. Gorilla snot. Real. <laughs> Gotta be, right? Gorilla glue. <laughs> yeah. Gorilla snot. I accept. I'm in. Sheepskin or fish tape? Sheepskin or fish tape? This gorilla snot, like snot from your nose. Gorilla snot. A lot more zoology and cable installation I know, right? than I expected, man. <laughs> and fish tape. Those are the th- two of those are real. One is a lie. I think fish tape is fake. What would be distinct about fish tape? Sheepskin's like a condom. 
It's a lambskin. Get a lambskin. But couldn't I? I could see people being like, yeah, these wires are really thin or I don't know. I can't believe people use that as condoms, too. Oh, my God. Didn't didn't like the ancient Egyptians do that? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> yeah. So In wild. ancient times, they used uh, fucking, you know, All right. they had to use. I'm stuff fully to- committed to gor- gorilla snot being real because I want that to be a thing. I think sheepskin is fake. I think sheepskin is a real thing, but not right. in cable installation. I agree. Hold with on, that. were sheepskin condoms like actually sheepskin, or was that the name for it? I think well, pigskins football were actual pigskins, right? I think at one point in time they were hyphens. Yeah, I if, if a condom were not made of sheepskin, and the PR department was like, "You know what'll make people trust these? If we call it <laughs> sheepskin, like that, that's bad. That can't be true." <laughs> what if we say the condom is made of animal skin, <laughs> impenetrable animal skin? People will be into this. This will be good for folks. Sheepskin, final answer. Yeah, I'm going with I'm going with Solak. No, here's here's my theory. I don't know if he explained it. My theory is there's some sort of tape that's got like scales into it, right? It's like, you know, it's got like a little bit of space and like it looks like fish scales. That's my theory. Okay. Okay. So you're saying which one are you saying is the lie? Sheepskin. Same. DK, you with that? Craig, what are you saying? I'm gonna say I'm gonna stick with fish tape as the lie. <laughs> All right. Sheepskin is fake. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll never lose this game. I'm going undefeated this year. <laughs> Jot this down. Nice. Predictions. Wow. So 90 and 0. Please email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com if you have your own two jargons and a lie. Uh, honestly, like, yeah, it could be from your work, can be from whatever. It's like, it's really fun. So just please email us. And also like draft questions too, I guess, if you have questions about, like, you know, quarterbacks yeah, I mean, and draft. But also yeah. mostly two jargons and a lie. All right. We're going to do part two. We're going to finish a cliffhanger, figure out who the other quarterbacks. It's going to be our next episode coming out Thursday. Thank you everyone for listening. We're really excited. Uh, this is going to be an incredible pod. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Kai, for production help. Thank you to everyone who emails us. And most of all, thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank Lauren. you, Positive K. Who? Uh, yeah, I don't, that's... Whiff. Danny and I shared a band on our Spotify Top 5 rap this year. Whoa! And it made me so excited. It made who me feel it? like a real music boy. I don't know how to pronounce their name. It's a problem. Krungbin? Yes. Ben, you and I as well. The last two jargons of the lie we did on this show to end the last draft cycle was we literally gave Solak three members right. of the Beatles and a lie. And the lie was Aldous Snow, who's Russell Brand and he Sarah He got it Marshall. right, though. He, he identified the fan. Uh, By process of elimination. Out. <laughs> and he was like, Ringo Star? That, that sounds so fake. Ringo. We'll bring that back just at a time in which my self-esteem is higher and I'm ready to handle it. I'm still recovering from last time. DK, what's positive K? Give me a, give me a rundown. Uh, I got a man. You know, what's a man got to do with me? Oh, wait, I actually think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know that song. If you if you uh, from the Bronx. look it up, you'll definitely recognize it. I believe he does both the woman's voice and the man's voice in that song. I'm listening right now. <laughs> He's into it. It's a good song. <laughs> it is. It's good. really catchy. Cool. If you're at home, go play it. I got a man, Positive K. Shout out Positive K. All right, goodbye, everyone.